0: you up here to preach the word. On this final night, I encourage you to open your hearts and we will open our hearts and the Lord speak to us. And I'll come up and close the invitation. Thank Sounds good. Finish, God bless you. Thank okay. you for being here. Yes, sir. Okay. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 8. Make that chapter 8.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't know what's, oh, what's in Mark chapter 9, but I know <laughs> it's at the end of Mark chapter 8 uh, right now. That, it could get kind of interesting uh, if, we, uh, if we did it that way. Uh, okay, never mind. I do know uh, it's at the end of Mark Nine, but we're going to be in Mark Eight. Okay, um, glad to see you. Thanks for coming out uh, here again tonight. I know it's been sacri- it's been sacrificed for some of you, um, of course, being getting off of work and being able to get out here. Uh, but we are glad that we were able to be here, and I hope. Uh, I hope that God has um, has done great things for you, and uh, that God has um, changed your heart on some things, and just really um, helped you grow. Maybe encouraged you, uh, as was as some have said, challenged you, changed you. And uh, I'm I'm rejoicing in uh, in the decisions you made, even though I don't know what they all are, and uh, don't have to. I'm just thankful that God has uh, done some great things for you. And so um, make sure you tell. Somebody else, what great things the Lord has has done for you, and uh, pass on the uh, the excitement from uh, from what's happened. So, um, and don't forget about the table. Stop by, get our prayer card as you head out, and um, and if you want to get the monthly email from us that tells you about uh, what the Lord's been doing in our ministry, uh, you can put your email address back there. And then, of course, there's the CDs back there. Um, the one that says "Prepare" that's the one where Hannah and I sing on it. And then the other ones are a couple men's groups that I got to be in, as well as the uh, the Bible stories for kids and Bible songs for kids. And, of course, they're all just, um, you take CDs, just put a little something in the box that you feel like is fair uh, to cover the costs. okay? So, please... Give yourself a discount. That's the whole point of uh, of why it's back there. Okay, you're supposed to give yourself a discount and uh, and uh, get get yourself some extra music into your home. Okay, so that will hopefully be a blessing to you uh, later on uh, when we're we're no longer here. But you got a little bit of the word of God still uh, going into your heart. So I uh, had a good day. Glad to have lunch with you today, Stephen um i don't know i may not have made it if i'd known you were wa- wearing that tonight uh but uh yeah it's uh, it's hard it's hard because um when i was uh well you i think i don't know if you do but uh oh, I'm a, i know he doesn't really care he's like yeah we just step on you right um when i was um 11 years old was the first time that uh Tom Brady was given the ball and uh, smashed the Steelers on the way to their first Super Bowl of many, and uh, so that was that was rough. Uh, when I was eleven, it was my first year watching football, and so it uh, it crushed my hopes and dreams on that first time watching it. But uh, I have since recovered, and not better, you know, not at all. Uh, but uh, yeah, so thanks for thanks for doing lunch with me and Pastor. That was that was a joy to be able to. I'll spend a little time with you today. All right, so let's go to, uh, so we're in Mark chapter 8, and let's go down to verse number 34, and uh, let's read a few verses here, and then we will get into uh, what the Lord has for us tonight. Mark chapter 8, verse number 34, and when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me, for whosoever shall save his life, uh, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's, the same shall save it. Or what shall profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore will be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels." Well, I hope that tonight will be a blessing to you. Uh, it is our last night together. Tomorrow morning, uh, my wife and I will head out towards uh, Weirton, West Virginia, and pray for us. We're going to, um, Lord willing, uh, be preaching for a week to uh, teenagers out there in a teen revival, uh, doing children in the morning at a Christian school, and then in the evenings, uh, in the evenings to the teenagers. And then the next week, we'll be doing adults as well. Should be some Unsay people showing up, so pray for us. Um, but until then, I uh, hope that you'll get something here tonight. So let's pray and uh, jump into it. Lord, thank you so much for um, our salvation. Thank you for um, the sacrifice, the the, the things you gave up to save sinners like us. And we are grateful to you for doing that. Lord, help us to never stop offering thanks for for all that you've done for us. Uh, Lord, we just pray uh, that you would bless tonight. And uh, Holy Spirit, would you just speak to each heart and would you um, change us into what we ought to be because of what we see in your Bible tonight. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, when I was in about, I don't know, second, third, fourth grade, somewhere around there, maybe, probably more like second or third grade, um, there was, uh, one of my friends told me that there were a couple of people that were starting a club. Uh, how many of you ever, when you were a child, you were a part of a club now I'm not talking about four-age Boy Scouts like you made your own club how many of you were in something like that before were you okay good yeah uh, I was in uh, some one uh, briefly you know those things' don't, they don't always last very long but uh, but they're kind of fun you know you, you put them together they're a little bit of fun well I heard tell one of my friends told me there was a club that was getting started now this was now this was uh, not just any kind of club this was This was a pretty big time club because the people who were starting it, I mean, these were, these were like mature people, like almost adults. I think they might have been sixth grade, you know, sixth or seventh grade. You know, these are some pretty important people that were starting this club. And and um, and I and he said, uh, from what, now, of course, uh, you know, second or third graders, who knows how trustworthy all the information was, but he said, if you wanted to join this club, he said there were two guys that were in this club, and the one guy had kind of set the standard of what you do if you want to join this kid's club. And uh, here's he gave you three options, so if you didn't like one, you could always pick a different one, of what you had to do in order to join this club. Uh, your first option. you want to join the club one of the ways to get in is you could take a knife and carve a smiley face into your arm that was option number one now if you didn't like that option it's okay he had more options (laughs) option number two you could stick your hand into a fire and hold it there for like five seconds or something like that okay that was option two if you didn't like option one option three was, now I think, I, I'm not sure, I might have the height wrong, but basically it was to jump off of a pretty uh, tall uh, height. Now the, the height that I seem to remember, this friend told me, was about 30 feet but I jumped off a 30-foot um, di- diving board thing into the water, and I tell you what, it took forever to get down to the water. And so jumping onto ground, it, maybe it wasn't 30, maybe it was, but no one actually tried that one. Uh, so I don't know if it was 10 feet, 30 feet, whatever it was. But you've got to pick one of these three options. You want be in the club? Pick one of these three. You know what is said? Uh, Now, of course, you know, I don't, you know, we didn't join this club, but, uh, uh, you know, we didn't join the club, and I don't know if anyone else did either. Maybe it was just the two of them in this club, and, um, but you know something, is it's amazing that people will pay some pretty high prices to be a part of organizations that are not very valuable. You know, kids, when they grow up, join clubs that are not so good, such as gangs, and again, they pay a high price to be a part of something that's not really very valuable. I remember watching a documentary of um, some gang members talking about what it was like. They said, you know, once we joined a gang, you know, you couldn't just go anywhere you wanted to. Because, you know, if you saw a rival gang on your turf, you had you had to fight. You're always running for your life. You're running from other gangs. You're running from the police. And he said, you know, being a part of a gang, basically you got the message that being a part of the gang was not really worth um, the the uh, the promises that they made of the wonderful things that they would provide for you, and uh, you know people will sometimes join some some things that put some very high demands on them. But it's uh, you know they ask so much from someone, uh, but they really don't give anything that's very valuable back. Now, as uh, why do you say, brother Matt? Why do you bring that up? Because. Here in this passage, Mark chapter 8, here at the end of, of this chapter, Jesus is approaching a crowd. He's approaching a crowd of people, and he calls to them. It says that the, when he had called the people unto him, but he said with his disciples also, um, Jesus had you know, this crowd that was following him. At the time, it was popular, at least in this place, to be following Jesus. It was popular to be um, finding out what he was doing, to watch him follow him, listen to his teaching, all that kind of stuff. Well, Jesus was ready to thin down the crowd, because a lot of the
2: people were just following Jesus because it was the thing to do, because
1: it was popular, because it was what other people did, and Jesus wanted to know who was really all in. And so he said, I want to know who are my true disciples, and, you know, uh, we, can we say it this way? Um, believers in Jesus, you know, people who are Christians, people who have tr- put their trust in Christ alone, there's plenty of those out there, but I, I want to make a distinction tonight between just simply a believer in Jesus Christ and a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because, you know, you can be a believer of Jesus Christ, but never take the next step to sacrifice for the Lord. The way that he has done for you in becoming a disciple. Now, one of the things that Jesus says is, if you want to be used by me, and I bet, I would think even in this crowd here, I would think that many of you want God to use you. He says, you want me to use you? He says, all right, I will use you. But he says, it will cost you. And you know one thing that Jesus did? Jesus did not make it, uh, Jesus made it very clear. About some things that following after him and seeing him use you is going to cost you. God did not uh, somehow like kind of cover it over with a little extra coating of sugar. He made it very clear that if you want to be a part of this valuable, can we say, camaraderie of being a disciple of Jesus Christ, he says it will cost you. But as opposed to like a gang or a club, he says this kind of group has high rewards. That you can be used of God and see God do great things with you. So, what are, can we ask this, what are Christ's terms of discipleship? Okay. Well, if you want God to use you, you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, not merely just a believer, not just someone who is saved, but someone who God uses, you want God to use you, then first, you need to read the Conditions. You need to read the conditions, and they're right here in verse number 34. Um, I remember when I was um, 12 years old, Uh, that was the time where I bought my first uh, video game with my own money. I will tell you what, it was a big deal. I was so excited. It was a football game, and I was so excited because I love football. And I was so excited. And uh, and so I'm installing this game onto my onto the, uh, the the computer. My computer. It was the family computer. And so I'm installing this game onto the computer. And uh, and for the first time in my life, I was confronted as I installed the game with a screen that said terms and conditions. I'll tell you what, I was taking this game seriously because I love football, and I was also getting a really good deal on this game. I mean, I had read through almost the entire manual of this game that had come with the, uh, with the game, and so then I come to the screen that says the terms and conditions, and I thought, this must be important. You know what I did? I started reading them. <laughs> At 12 years old, I'm going down through this. I'm scrolling slowly down, and as 12 years old, I'm trying to process some of this, like, okay... Okay, and I'm, I don't know, quarter of the way through, halfway through, and I'm thinking, I didn't understand that all... I hope I'm not agreeing to something that I'm going to regret. And I just hit, I agree, and moved on because I wanted to play football. You know, nowadays, goodness, we get, you know, just to install an app. You know, it asks, you know, it, it puts up terms and conditions. Do you agree with it? We just hit accept, and we just hit accept, install. Even though it says, can we steal all your bank information? You know, we just hit accept. And we just can move on with it, you know. Um But uh, that was my first time ever seeing the read the conditions thing, the terms and conditions. And Jesus says, listen. You want to be more than just a mere believer. You want me to use you. You want to be a disciple of Jesus. Well, you need to read the conditions. First of all, first condition is this, is he says, you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You have got to, well, look at verse 34, whosoever will come after me and be my disciple. He says, let him deny himself. So Jesus says, you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You need to learn to deny yourself. Now, someone might say, uh, well, I, I deny myself. Well, I can't deny who I am. People, that is not, uh, that sounds more like you got that from Hallmark or something like that, uh, or Disney. That is not what the Bible is to, is saying here. That God, God is not asking you to reject the person of who you are or something, okay? The point of this word, the word deny, is a really simple verb that just simply means to say no. That's all it means. It means to say no. You ever um you ever been on a diet? <laughs> Did you ever have to learn to say no to Beautiful things <laughs> to wonderful things that everybody else seemed to just be, you know, floating around and enjoying, you know. Uh, but, uh, and so we, if you've ever been on a diet, you wanted it to be successful, you had to learn to say no to some things. That wasn't denying your personality or something like that. You just had to learn to say no to things. And you know what it probably required? Maybe uh, for you, maybe it was because uh, you had to, maybe you started a diet because you just wanted to be a little more fit. Maybe you started a diet because, and I don't know, maybe the doctor said you're about to have diabetes that could kill you if you don't change your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is that you have, can we say, a fundamental reorientation of how you think. And the thinking goes like this. I don't want to die, so I'm going to say no to the things that I need to say no to. And God says, you want to be a disciple of mine? you want me to use you? Then he says, you have got to learn to say no to the things that you want if God says you shouldn't have them. You know, we're so used to saying yes to us. You know, the phrase, look out for number one. It's so sad. That's just so, so bad. it's just so, That's such a worldly mentality. But God says, if you're going to be a disciple, you're going to have to learn to start saying no, even in the little things, to the things that you want. Do we not sometimes have to make a decision? Are we going to sleep in or are we going to go to Sunday school? You know what may need to happen is we got to start saying no to our desires. Get up and go to the extra teaching of God's word. You know, uh, sometimes we have to learn to say no to um, perhaps the way some of the ways we spend money. You know, it's nothing maybe for some of you to drop four, five, six hundred dollars to buy a new electronic, but it's maybe every other month that you drop a little piece of cash in the offering plate. You know, those missionaries don't go out aren't able to go out on uh, uh, aren't able to go out on love. <laughs> They have to go out. They have to have money. It's just the reality of the thing. Those missionaries don't go out. The lights, well, you know, the lights don't stay on just because everybody loves everybody. Folks, uh, folks, it takes some sacrifice. And you know what? It may require us learning to say no to some things so that we can keep a lighthouse for Jesus Christ in Granville that is sending lighthouses also out into other places of the world. And you know what? We may need a fundamental reorientation where we realize, you know what? I need to be putting more into the ministry right here at uh, Calvary Baptist Church. I need to be putting more into that. That may require us saying no to some things. Uh, you know, sometimes we may need to learn to say no. How about in these last six months? To learn to say no to laziness on those nights where we just are tired or those mornings where we just aren't tired and learn to say no to laziness when we just say, you know what, I'll just stay home and watch the live stream. You know, when God says, you know, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together, you know, praise the Lord, you you do realize now we all should that in a blink of an eye, church could be gone. That's right. Church is very precious. Right. The fellowship of the believers is very precious because the government could take it away from one Sunday to the next. That's right. We saw that this year that it could happen that fast. Folks, we, the, folks, and so uh, we have got to have just a fundamental orientation where we don't worry about what people think about us and that we give the gospel anyway. We're a, a fundamental reorientation where people that would normally annoy us and just uh, get a reaction out of us now, we're loving them and trying to be compassionate towards them and lead them towards Jesus. So he says, you want to be my disciple, you've got to learn to say no to some of your own desires and learn to say yes to what God wants. Here's the next condition. He says in verse 34, you need to take up, take up his cross, take up your cross. So Jesus says, you want to be a disciple? You need to take up your cross. Now, of course, the question should be asked, what did Jesus mean when he says take up your cross? Now, let me give you a couple things that it's not. First of all, um, to take up your cross does not mean to put your own body under physical punishment. Um, This Easter. Unless something has uh, very—I don't know—unless something has uh, happened, maybe COVID. I don't know, but unless something weird happens this next year. Easter time, you can look it up. In the Philippines, there is going to be a group again every year of people that will walk the streets of the Philippines uh, of the Philippines, I believe in the capital city of Manila, and they will take whips and they will beat themselves with these whips until they are bleeding. There are some who will drag crosses through the street. There are actually some people who will be literally nailed to crosses ...on Easter because they feel like that is what I have to do in order to please Jesus and to bear my cross. People, when Jesus said you need to bear your cross, he wasn't saying you need to actually like lash your body to prove how much you love God. Now, let me say this too, is that oftentimes we get confused on this. When we say um, take up your cross, let me tell you one thing Jesus was not referring to also. He was not referring to a disease... Or could we say a handicap or a disability? Do we not often say, um, you know, about, like, I have a bad back. Don't we sometimes, I know I've done it, say, well, my back, that's just my cross to bear. Now, we say that, and I understand what we mean. But I would say that's not what Jesus is referring to here because he says that bearing your cross, taking up your cross, is a choice for every one of you. And if I had a choice, I would not have this kind of a back. you know. And you probably wouldn't have the disease that you have, too, if you could make a choice about it. So when Jesus says, take up your cross, what is he signifying? Well, when someone was going to be executed by the Roman government, one of the things, and this, of course, happened to our Lord, that they would do is they would make the condemned criminal carry his own cross out of the streets through the town where everyone could see him, out the front gate and onto the hill outside of the, um, outside of the city, and there they would be nailed to The cross, but the criminal was forced to carry the cross because that made every single person who would stand on the side and watch that cross going by, they would know that criminal, though he once was wild, though he once did what he wanted, he is now submissive to the government. I mean, he is not only submissive, he is bowed down underneath the cross, and he is now under the in submission underneath the authority of The government. And so what is discipleship? Carrying the cross really is a picture of submission to authority. So in other words, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, it is a full submission to whatever God wants. Not what I want. Do we not often live life by, what do I want to do? do, You ever notice this? Do we not ask young people very often, so what do you want to do with your life? That doesn't sound like such a good thing to be asking now, does it? What do you want to do with your life? Rather, what we should be asking, young people, is what do you think God wants you to do with your life? Because God says that if you're going to be a disciple of me, you have got to bear your cross, which means God makes the decisions in your life you don't. So if if should you learn something from the Bible this week in revival meetings, this Sunday as pastor preaches, and you see from the scriptures what God wants out of your life, you know what a disciple says? God wants it, then he can have it. You know what just a casual believer in Jesus says? I didn't like that. That's what a casual believer in Jesus says. Well, I, you know, I don't like that. Well, if it came from the Bible, it doesn't matter if we like it or not. You realize Jesus made quite a sacrifice for us. Right. Therefore, we ought to do the same for him. He says, take up your cross. Uh, He says, um, uh, deny yourself, take up your cross, and then here's the other condition, number three, and follow me. Verse 34, he says, follow after me. And the idea of follow is a present imperative, which means keep on keeping on following after me. In fact, in a sister passage, and this is interesting, he says in Luke chapter 14, he says, if any man come to me, again, the idea of following after me, Jesus says, and Hate not his father, his mother, his wife, his children, his brother, and his sisters, yea, in his own life also. He cannot be my disciple. You ever gotten confused by that and thought... Jesus said, I'm supposed to hate my mother, my father, my wife, my children, my brothers, my sisters, my own life. What is Jesus saying here? You know, uh, if Jesus is saying, okay, outright hate them, okay, I mean, that would be a violation of the law. And we know Jesus said, I don't come to violate the law, I've come to fulfill the law. So what is Jesus saying when he says that following after him, he says, is going to involve you? Could we say... Um, I don't Jesus used the word hate. The idea there is that people, if they were to watch your life, sometimes, especially unsaved people, could mistakenly think that you could mistakenly, like I said, think that you hate your family because of how much you love God. But the fact of the matter is it is a mistake because a real follower of Jesus loves Jesus first, even over family. Listen real carefully. There is a worldly philosophy that is out there that has gotten into the church. We need to know it and get it out. You know what the worldly philosophy is? Family's everything. Family's everything. You know, for the Christian, family is not everything. God is everything. By the way, if you make God everything, you put family right in their second place, right after God, right where it belongs, your family will do okay. But if you put family above God, it'll show. You'll see the results of when family is everything, even to the point where God then gets second place, it'll show. And Jesus says, you need to follow after me. And you know, this is um, this is not something that, it, I guess as Americans, we look at and we think, oh my goodness, that sounds kind of awkward. You know, following Jesus, even if my family doesn't all want to get on board, folks, Pete, the persecuted church is doing it every day. That's right. In other nations, they're doing it every day where mothers, sisters, uh, brothers, uh, fathers, loved ones are ignoring or are, are persecuting or pushing away their loved ones because loyalty to Jesus comes even before loyalty to family or your own life itself. That's why I would think in Luke 14, why Jesus said, you know, if you're going to build a tower, count the cost first. If you're going to go to war, make sure that you've got adequate supplies and men to face that war. In other words, Jesus says, if you want to be a disciple of mine, a follower of mine, you better know what the conditions are. you want to be used by me? He says, it will cost you. You've got to learn to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. He says, this is it, but he says, listen, uh, so you might say, okay, well, Brother Matt, uh, you know, the, really the last thing I need is another preacher coming down my throat and tell me what I ought to or ought not to do for God. Number two is this. You've read the conditions. Number two is this. Know the risks. Know the risks of taking that attitude of well, why does God need, why is God requiring and forcing more out of me than that? Look what God says if you will not to say no to yourself, um, uh, submit to whatever God wants and follow hard after God even if family won't do it, what does God say you are risking? Verse 35 it says, "For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. you know what you risk First of all wasting your life. He says that whosoever will save his life. The word there means, it's not talking about trying to like save yourself from hell or something like that. The word save there is the word to preserve. To, to preserve something, to keep it safe and sound from danger or destruction. Do we not sometimes just spend our life's time on preserving our lives? I mean, you know, God's not saying, you know, you know play chicken in the highway or something like that. You know, God's not trying to teach us to do something like that. But the idea is this, is that he's saying that um, people who will not be a disciple of Jesus Christ are wasting their lives. Think about it. What do what you, if you're a Christian, what are you living for if it's not all out for Jesus Christ? What's your end goal of life? What, when you come and you are lying on a deathbed, you've got, you've got days to weeks left to live. and The doctor tells you that. What are you going to say? Thank goodness I've achieved. What? what? What would your answer be? Thank goodness I've been able to achieve. Fill in the blank. What are you going to say then? Oh, thank the Lord I've got the 401k I wanted. You know, that's not going to matter a whole lot. You might say, thank the Lord, my kids, they're not all perfect, but at least they're in church. Thank the Lord, my grandkids are all saved. Thank the Lord that I got to spend however many dozen dozen years in such and such church. Thank the Lord I got to see this friend and this friend saved. Thank the Lord that I got to do that. I mean, you know, when if you can come to the end of life and say, thank. God, for all the people he let me influence, you know, that's one, that is so good. Do you really want to come to the end of life and say, wow, thank the Lord, I, I had money? You know, um, God is not opposed to you living comfortably. God is not opposed to that. Read the book of Ecclesiastes, he's not. But some of us live for that. We live for it to the point where we ignore or we. Deprioritize serving God. Where we say, where we basically put uh, what we want, what we enjoy up. You know what God says? If you're not going to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, you know what you're risking? You're risking wasting your life. You know, if you were to fear, but you know, if you've got a lot of older folks, especially in the nursing home, to really talk as honestly as they really could, do you think a lot of them might say, I wasted a lot of time? Do you think a lot of them would say, I wish I could go back and do this differently? I wish that maybe, especially Christians, I wish I had served God more. You know, there's not probably not a whole lot of people that would say, I wish I had worked more. Maybe, I don't think there'd be a lot of people who'd say, I wish I had done my hobbies more. you probably hear a lot of, even from unsaved, I wish I'd been with my family more. From a Christian on be, I wish I had lived for God So what we risk if we won't serve God, uh, as a disciple, we risk wasting our life, but we also risk forfeiting the things that will last for eternity. Verse number uh, 36 says, for what shall it profit a man? There's a good... Money word. You want to talk about money. What does it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose what? His own soul. Or, verse 37, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Because the soul of man is something that will last beyond this world. The soul of man is what will spend eternity in heaven or in hell. And, And so he says, what could be worth more than a soul? And, you know, and for good reason. Oftentimes we bring this verse up when we're talking to, you know, unbelievers about the need to become a Christian. You know, what is the profit if you gain the whole world but you lose your own soul? But here in the context, one of the main contexts here is that Jesus is saying, Christian, what profit is it if you don't live for the stuff that will last for eternity? You know what will last in eternity? Men's souls. Women's souls the souls of children, the souls of teenagers, the souls of the people who live down the road from you, the souls of men and women is what will last for eternity. Can we not spend our time to labor for the spiritual things that will last forever? Like I said, God is not against you living comfortably. But I'll tell you what, you know what you risk if you won't deny yourself, be in total submission to God and follow hard after Jesus even if your family won't do it. You know what you're risking? Forfeiting the things that could last for eternity. You know, when we live for stuff, kids see that. Grandkids see that when we live just for things and for comfort and for money and for a bigger and better retirement, and we start to push church attendance and we start to push devotions off to the side, and, and we pick sports over, and we pick sports uh, over over church time, and we pick uh, and we teach maybe maybe kids or maybe teenagers that uh, that sports are, are okay if you want to do that instead of uh, instead of church, they learn from us these things. What do mom and dad prioritize? And they learn these things, folks. We have got we will risk. Losing the souls of men, if we will not follow Lord after Jesus, say no to our desires, submit to him. But we also also risk embarrassment to Jesus Christ. Verse 38, Jesus says, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words. Now My words, you know, oh sure, that referred to anything Jesus has said, well sure, but specifically in this context again, he's talking about, you know, being a disciple of Jesus, denying yourself, take up your cross and follow me. If someone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the son of man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his father with the holy angels. You know what you risk also if you will not live for God now? Embarrassment to Jesus Christ. You know, here's Jesus who
2: has died for you. He bled out for you. He left perfect heaven
1: to come to an earth where there is dirt, where there is just filth, where there is disease, where there is sin, where there is hurt, to die for sinners. And he says, would you, and he says, I want to give you eternal life. Now in exchange, you can have all eternity with me. That'd be like a million, billion, trillion years. But so uh, in exchange for a million, billion, trillion years, can I have the rest of your, you know, uh, 62 years you have left here on this earth? Can I have the rest of your 38 years that you have left here on this earth? I'll give you a million, billion, trillion years. You know, is that a fair exchange? Oh Lord, be careful about with my 38 years here. How, why do we get so possessive at that time because Jesus has sacrificed for us? how embarrassing it must be to the Lord when we are when He has sacrificed so much for us and we will not sacrifice for him, but see the benefits okay we know the we know the, we've read the conditions we know the risks see the benefits verse thirty five says if you because uh, remember we talked about you know joining that club or that gang at uh, high you know high cost for a very low uh out you know, outcome joining uh, joining uh, uh, those clubs or those gangs. Jesus says, yes, to be in a disciple of Jesus Christ has a high cost. But he says, look at what the benefits are. Verse number 35, he says that whosoever will save his life, try to preserve it, will end up losing it, destroying it. But whosoever will lose his life will destroy his life for my sake and for the Gospels, he says, the same thing shall preserve it. You know what he's saying here? Is he's, God is saying that if you will live as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you will actually have purpose. You know a lady, uh, a lady um, talked to me. Uh, I was, uh, this is when I was um, 16, 17 years old. Uh, I'm working. My, I'm working the job in the deli, and she comes up to me, and she had. Uh, she was actually she was from Germany, and uh, she had um, told me. Uh, you know, we had just kind of come. She had only been in the U.S. for like two years, and uh, but she had. She was doing great with her English and all, and so we're working, and she, you know, we talked about God, and she really was not didn't really believe in God. She was very, it was very postmodern in her thinking. And um, so I would talk about the Lord and how he saved sinners. She would be very, very blunt with me as a 16, 17 year old about things. And I'd be blunt right back. We had good conversations. And she once asked me, what would you do if you didn't have God in your Christianity? What would you do? Like, like you as a person, what would you do if you didn't have God, Christianity, all that? I said, hang on. And so I thought, thought on it, kind of what life would look like. And I said, because I had sort of thought on it before. And I said, I think, can't be sure. But I'm pretty sure. If I didn't have like God, Christianity, church, and all that, I'm pretty sure I would commit suicide. She said, why? Why would you do that? You're such, you're such a big I don't know. She probably said something like, such a beautiful person and such a good. I said, what's the point of living? If we're just gonna hurt for all our all our lives and then die and go into the ground and that's it? What's the point of that? Why go through that? That's worthless? That's pointless. You know how often do Christians not live for all that worthless, pointless stuff that's just gonna be sitting around and gone? when we die you know I've been re- I was reading a lot today uh from Luke chapter studying in Luke chapter 12 about the rich about the rich fool who um who, who um uh just built up his barns and just built up all of his stuff and all those wonderful things that God said to him why you accumulate all the stuff you fool tonight your soul shall be required of thee and um, you know what Jesus was teaching? And one of the main reasons he was teaching that parable was because the people were covetous. The man specifically that had spoken to him was covetous. We are so focused on stuff. But God says, you want to have purpose in life? Serve me with everything you've got. Don't hold back on your money. Don't hold back on your time. Don't hold back on your energy. Don't hold back on your health. Let all all, the health, the energy, the money, and the time, and the talents that God has given you Use them for God. Some of us have more time than others. Some of us have more health than others. Some of us have more energy than others. Some of us have uh, more talents than others. But good night, that's why God gave us the church. So that the believers could work together as a unified body, putting their talents, time, money, everything together to go out for the sake of the gospel and see unsaved people in Granville, New York come to the Lord. That's, that's what God has. He says, you want to have purpose, then see the benefits. That life will give you purpose. And another benefit is simply uh, is that you will save the things that will last for eternity. Is that uh, you'll be able to see souls, things that will actually last in eternity, well, you'll see them last for eternity. So here's finally the motivation. God says, understand the why. Why should you Why should you even consider Being a disciple, denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following me. Well, Jesus says, I mean, for one thing, you're going to get the benefit of actually having some purpose in life, unlike other people. But he says also, here's why you ought to do it. Verse 35, he says that, um, whosoever will lose his life for my sake. He says, if you need a motivation to start learning to say no to what you want, he says, do it for my sake. People, you exist for the glory of God. Everything else is just extra you exist for the glory of God Isaiah 64 verse 2 says to make thy name known to thy adversaries that the nation may tremble at thy presence we exist to glorify God and thank goodness God lets us enjoy the enjoy the road along the way but then he says uh, he says um, lose your life for my sake he says and the gospels for the sake of Of hell-bound sinners, he says. He says, uh, for the sake of hell-bound sinners, do it for the gospel's sake. But then finally, he says also that if you will serve God, there will be reward. You know, um, at the end here, verse number 38, he talks about when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Uh, There's another verse in Matthew 16 where he talks about coming in the glory of the Father with his holy angels. And he says, when that happens, he says, then he shall reward every man according to his works. You know, it is a it is a part of scripture. Jesus says, you if you're giving up your energy, your time, your money for the sake of the work of the Lord, Jesus says, I will reward. What does that look like? Don't don't try to let's not name to God what we want for rewards. Let's let God name them for us. But he says, I will reward. He will pay back Every last dollar, every last mockery you've endured, every last minute you spent for him, he will reward you. So I want you to think tonight. Could you say, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. Could you say, or or would it have to be said of you that you're just simply a believer in Jesus? You're a Christian. Yeah, you've gotten saved. You've asked Jesus to be your savior. You're not trusting anything other than Christ alone to save you. But uh, that is the extent of your relationship with God, or even though he sacrificed like everything for you, you won't give up the littlest thing for him. Would it be said of you that you are someone that says no to your own desires, that submits to whatever God wants from your life, and that follows hard after obeying Jesus no matter what anyone else does? God says, you want to have purpose in this life. You want to have reward in the next life. You want to see lost souls impacted. He says, you've got to be a disciple. Big rewards, but a high cost. And Jesus is very blunt that it is a high cost. But folks, it is so worth it. It is worth having purpose in life. It is worth the rewards that he will give. It is worth the souls that you can impact. You say, but I'm not talented. Jesus didn't say anything about talent. He said, learn to say no to what you want. He said, learn to follow after me. And he will use you to impact souls. So let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes because there may be things tonight that you may need to commit to the Lord. There may be simply, you know what may need to happen tonight? There may be some habits that you need to tell the Lord, these have got to change. I didn't realize these were blocking me from following after Jesus. Or maybe there's decisions you make that are just so self-focused and those need to be driven out. Folks, I don't know what your need is here tonight, but I hope that you will obey the Lord. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to pray and just ask God to open uh, your hearts and then would you just, um, would you obey the Lord and commit to him whatever he has said to commit and to change. You can come down here to the front, bow, uh, bow here at the front, but as soon as I'm done praying, I would ask you to respond to the Lord because God is, I believe God is clearly pointing out some stuff that uh, you ought to change for his sake. So let's pray. Lord, I just, uh, Holy Spirit, I know you are the convictor, so would you please convince every last person in this room who needs to be convinced of whatever change needs to happen in their lives, would you please convict and help us to obey? Lord, would you let this be just a watershed moment in some Christian's life here, where life becomes more about serving you than about living for stuff. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's leave heads down and eyes closed. Would you please uh, spend this next time in prayer? Amen.
0: It's a great message. That's right now as our heads are bowed. Let's take a moment to commit ourselves to the Lord. Tell you, if we put anything above Jesus, then Jesus isn't really our Savior. He's just life insurance. He's just uh, a substitute. We don't want him to be a substitute, we want him to be our everything. And often, I'll hear Christians say, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus, but I hate church. My friend, Jesus didn't hate the church he loved. He loved it and gave everything for it. We want to have that heart before the Lord tonight. I want to invite you wherever you're at to make your seat an altar. Right there if you want to kneel and pray. Right there if you want to uh, just, just meet with the Lord right where you're seated. Take a time right now to say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me tonight. Help me in my walk with you. Help me, Lord, to deny myself. Help me, Lord, to quit thinking about the numbers and quit criticizing every pastor under the sun and every preacher. Instead, start thinking about that soul, the, the fact that I haven't led a soul to Christ in two years. Start having a burden for people. Ask God to help you. We need help tonight. Would you take a moment to respond to the Lord as this song is sung? Just as I am I'll tell you the Lord spoke to our hearts this week and blessed us, hasn't he? And thank you, Brother Galvin, for taking the time to be here with us. And uh, we thank God for ministering to each of us. I've been so encouraged by each of you being here this week. And many of you have taken off work. Many of you have adjusted your schedules. You've done things to be here. And God has rewarded you in your heart and ministered to you. And thank you for making the sacrifice to be here. And uh, I know one of our sweet ladies, I know she's got to wake up at 3 in the morning every day. But she comes in and she's been here every night trying to be a blessing and help and serving. And uh, thank you so much, each of you, the sacrifices that you make for the Lord. And God sees those things and he, he rewards those things. You know, uh, we thank God for everyone who's served and been a blessing. One, just let you church family know a couple of great things. Um, we didn't do our missions letters yet this week. We'll do those next Wednesday night, okay? We'll share those uh, great missionary letters that have come in. But Josiah Hill, we sent him a little care package. And uh, he got that, and he wanted to tell you, thank you so much for sending the things that you sent, and you were such a blessing and encouragement to him, and uh, he, he is uh, thankful for that. And we know God's going to use Josiah in a great way as a young man uh, serving the Lord and training for ministry down at Pensacola Christian College. And uh, this week, I also I got a wonderful, encouraging text message. You know, sometimes God puts it on the hearts of evangelists and missionaries to just pray for things. And uh, There's a pastor actually watching him tonight from Pennsylvania. And his, his wife, they're comedy a little bit earlier. And uh, they were such an encouragement to us when we were on vacation, really encouragement to us. And um, they just, we showed up in the service. We didn't know. We looked at the online time, the time was wrong. And we showed up. And uh, they go, Who are you? They, he well, I think you look familiar. You know what? He took up a spontaneous love offering for us in church and uh, tried to be a blessing and encouragement. He said, If a pastor shows up on vacation, we bless them and I didn't know it was a thing until la- then right after that I hopped online and saw something and uh, preachers were talking about how when they go on vacation they just don't go to church and so uh, I guess it's a rare thing for preachers to go to church on vacation so since we showed up he said he wanted to be a blessing so if any other preacher ever comes in here on vacation we're going to bless him so far it hasn't happened yet but uh, I thought that was something great that was a way to be an encouragement to people and this missionary he said this is what he sent me tonight and uh, by the way uh he, he's been such an encouragement here. But he said, uh, Pastor Daniel, how are you doing? How are the revival meetings going? Mm. Hmm. That was encouraging this afternoon. He said, I love you and appreciate you, brother. And then he said, I didn't I notice. He says, Happy Pastor Appreciation Month. Thank That's you for nice. your diligence, humility, grace. May you feel loved and honored and appreciated, respected and encouraged. And he said, and spoiled this month. And I thank God for this missionary. He's been such a, a blessing. He calls me all the time. And sometimes you say, well, people, and it, it was, he's a single missionary, but he's training for the ministry, and he's raising his support, in Like in like eight months, the guy's almost done raising support. He's just going around, he's traveling like 14 hours a day, and he takes the time to call pastors on the road, he'll text me, I'm driving for 14 hours, I want to I call you and encourage you. And, uh, you know, God sends people to just be encouragement in the ministry, and we thank God for them, and uh, I tell you, little things like that, just a little word of encouragement, he said I was praying for us," you know? And I believe God's answered those prayers, and many of you have been praying all week for things, and God's answered your prayers. And thank you for being, thank you for being prayer warriors. And it was so encouraging, folks, that committed to pray last Sunday. And I believe God touched down because of that. Some of you committed to pray for a night, and God answered, God encouraged, God helped us, and we thank the Lord for that. And uh, we're going to close in prayer, and uh, we'll be in the back. And make sure you encourage this to your brother. Thank you so much for being with us, and uh, let's. Let's join together. We'll be here on Sunday, and you say, well, what's going to happen Sunday? We're going to have church Amen. at 11 a.m., Amen. and it's a great place to be in church. I, I love church. I mean, Jesus died for it, so uh, we're going to come back to church on Sunday 11 in the morning. Father, we thank you for the privilege we had to be in your house this week. Lord, I thank you for all these dear folks. For many, it was maybe the first time they've ever been through a revival meeting series. And Lord, you revived our hearts. We thank you for the Young lady that got saved Tuesday night, we thank you for the souls that you have encouraged and strengthened, whether that be here in present, Lord, or online. People have been ministered to, they've been blessed, they've been encouraged, and you've ministered to each of us in this room. We thank you for that. Lord, help us to uh, be an encouragement to every person you put in our path. Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to think of uh, these people I've been talking with this week in the community that do not know Jesus and Lord, they're thirsty, I pray you'd help them to come and find the water of life. Lord, help us, give us a burden as we go out shopping this week, whatever we're doing. May we be mindful. There are people around us that need the Lord, and they need a word of encouragement, they need a word of help. And Father, I pray for the Christians in this community who claim the name of Jesus, but refuse to attend to church, that you would convict them by the Holy Spirit. Lord, of their selfishness, their pride, their stubbornness against the Holy Spirit of God. And, Lord, that you would bring a revival to the Christians in this community. Father, that you would bring a awakening to America. Lord, I pray it won't take another 9-11 to wake us up to the need for God. Lord, none of us are ever going to be perfect. There's going to be never a perfect deacon, pastor, or teacher. But, Lord, we need your word, and we need to come under the fountain where the glory comes out. We also need to honor you as Christians in the way in which we conduct every part of our life. Lord, I pray that you would help us to do that. Help us, Lord, to be a, be a people, the people of God, committed to you. Bless every dear person in the room. Give them strength. Help them tomorrow. Give them encouragement tomorrow. Lord, I pray for some of the folks at the jobs, you just give them a raise. Lord, you bless them. Uh, bless them for their commitment. Bless them for their sacrifice. And Lord, bless these dear children that came out tonight. I pray they would get saved very soon. And Lord, they would come to a place where they put their faith in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I ask that you would bless the children in this church. You would build the children's ministry again in this church. And that you would be glorified in everything that we do and say here. For Jesus' sake, we do pray all these things. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thanks for being here tonight.